A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to All Starts, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the midfielder who didn't misplace a single pass of the podcast. But the less said about that pass, the better. And I'm joined today by the man who understands how arrows work with the podcast. It's Martin Riley. This is the argument he thinks it is, Chief. And finally today, I'm joined by the player making his debut of the podcast. Let's hope he also knows more about how arrows work. It's our very own Archie Gray, Mr. Will Clay. Will, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm I'm really good, thank you, Adam. Um excited to be here. Yeah, debut, first time. Straight in. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and you signed yourself up for a, a lot of pods this week, so listeners are gonna have to get used to your lovely little voice that's not a Leeds voice. Um can you tell everyone where you're actually from? Uh Nottingham. Uh so uh, I know the school that Bamford went to is near my house, basically, or relatively near. Um, but yeah, Nottingham, but my dad supports Leeds, so um, that's the link there. Yeah, and uh, a lot of listeners might know who Will is because they're in the Discord, and he is one of our active members that's been around for a long, long time. Uh, but for those that don't know, uh, he's going to be great. Uh, don't worry about it. But he does make me feel considerably older now because he is the youngest member by quite a distance, aren't you? Yeah, that that is true. <laughs> anyway, Martin, how are you, mate? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy that we've got someone new in the pod, some new young blood to keep us going. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that Will's joined joining us. And just so, you, so in case you're wondering, I had a pizza for tea with some garlic bread. I was going to ask. Yeah, I had a katsu curry uh, with like sticky rice and vegetables. Well, what did you eat? It's important. First time. Um, yeah, yeah. So, sort of a bit in between the both of you. I had. Like a fancy pot noodle, so I splashed out on one that was like one pound fifty from Aldi, um, and then a ninety nine p pizza. So I've yeah, you had finished those double carb. Well, yeah, I, I haven't been shopping in a few days essentially, and I'm on the last bits. So uh, that's tomorrow's job. That's a student teeth I've ever heard. Yeah. I was about to well, say the yeah, same. Well, thing. I was going to make that joke. <laughs> that, um, yeah, two pound fifty for a pizza and some noodles. Oh yeah, sounds. Very, very much like I, I, I was doing <laughs> at your age. Um, but yes, I hope that Martin looks after you today. Very much the senior member here. Um, and <laughs> you're the young lad that needs a little bit of help. But I mean, 
Luke Ayling was usurped by uh, Archie Gray this season, so who knows? Who knows where this will go? Um, but yeah, we're here today to discuss the Rotherham game at Ellen Road, obviously. Another win for Leeds United, a 3-0 win. Um, do we have any news, just quickly before we go in? I don't believe there is much to talk about in that regard, other than the fact that one of Leeds United's favourite sons... As we record right now, Max Gradle is actually playing in the African Cup of Nations final, which is pretty cool. And I actually happened to ask Will about Max Gradle and whether he could remember him. And listeners, uh, this will make a lot of you feel very old. He, he couldn't, um, not not particularly well anyway, could you? No, no. Just seen a few highlights. What a shame. Uh, Martin, you love Max Gradle, don't you? Yeah, he's a very fun player. Um, so, so good with the ball at his feet and making things happen. It's just kind of like the closest thing that we had to Somerville in the day <laughs> uh, very similar in style to Somerville in my opinion um, but yeah he was he was great with him I'm glad to see him still playing how old is he now 36 or 37 I think something like that <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's like two years younger than me yes oh, crazy isn't it yeah indeed <laughs> Uh, but yeah, hopefully he has won. Obviously, the listeners will know, um, but we don't yet. They're playing Nigeria. Um, I've actually got it on just in the background, but I've not got any sound on. Don't worry. So if I'm distracted at any point, I apologize. But anyway, um, we will get straight into the summary of the game against Rotherham on Saturday. Um which is that Leeds started the game in their usual 4-2-3-1 structure with Rotherham opting for a 5-4-1 formation, just as Martin and I predicted. Uh, throughout the first half, Leeds dominated possession and had lots of chances to score with Rotherham trying to attack in transition without much success. Leeds opened the scoring when Patrick Bamford got a touch ha 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 ha, on a deflected low cross from Junior Firpo to make the score 1-0 in the 10th minute. Leeds weren't able to extend their lead further despite controlling the game entirely during the opening 45 minutes. The second half wasn't was much the same as the first with Leeds having the majority of possession and chances to score, and Rotherham not able to get into the game. Leeds then extended their lead in the 52nd minute, following a high turnover. Ruter carried the ball forward and slotted Somerville through on goal, with the Dutchman converting from close range under the goalkeeper. More misery was then added onto the game for Rotherham in the 60th minute, when Somerville was brought down in the box and a penalty was awarded. Somerville then took the penalty with much aplomb, scoring with a Penenka, bringing the score to 3-0. Rotherham had some late spells of possession and set-piece chances, but weren't able to create any ones of real note, and the game ended 3-0 to Leeds. To make it six wins on the row, in a row, I should say, in the league. Um, I think that's everything. Yeah, lovely. Another win. We're still unbeaten, aren't we? Which is fantastic. Um, But I'll now get on straight into the interrogation. Um, Will, we're going to put you straight in at the deep end. Um, and I'm going to ask you, we created a number of good chances throughout the game, both through concerted possession and high turnovers. Was that down to us being particularly good or rather than being quite bad, in your opinion? Um, I, I sort of think it's a bit of both because with in possession, um, oh. more to do with what Rotherham did out of possession, there was quite a lot of space between the lines that, you know, we picked some nice passes and then we have the quality to ruin them through demons like Rooter in the way that other teams wouldn't. So that that's, you know, credit to us. But then also the high turnovers, quite a lot of the time, it wasn't some clever or extra clever pressing scheme. Like the one I'm thinking of is for um, the chance where Furpo robbed one of their players high up and Somerville put it over the bar. He just sort of ran straight at the player and got the ball rather than any clever trap. Um, so I think that's... Rotherham aren't great playing out from the back, so panicked under pressure, which is, you know, them not being great. So for you, Martin, was it a bit of a mixture as well? I think I agree with Will. 
Yeah, I, I can't say um, much to what Robin was trying to do to stop us, but at the same time, there's a bit of a mismatch when it comes to the quality of our forward line and the quality of their back line. Uh, they've got a lot of experienced players for the championship. Um, they are very championship 2015 to 2020. <laughs> um, there's a lot of experience in there, but the, that experience is fading now in quality. And you can really tell with the way our, our attacks pretty much ruin their defenders at times. Um, but it wasn't even just the quality. It was our, our attacking moves themselves and the movements that we're doing, the interplay between, between players. And it's, it, they did their best to try to stop them at times, and they were defending deep, but they still weren't able to stop that. And like we'll mention, the spacing between the lines was always there for, for us to attack at times. So it's definitely a, mi- a mixture of the two. Um, so yeah, Rotherham did the best to the cut, in my opinion. Um yeah, maybe they could have done a bit, bit more in advanced areas. The press which they had was kind of a nothing press. That's one that we've seen also early in the season, where we have lots of players in advanced areas, but not really putting pressure on the right areas and not pressing in the, in the right moments. So it was kind of a combination of everything there, which led to the dominance which we had in this game. Yeah, and it felt like to me that we were able to create in a lot of different ways, whether it was like good combinations between players as soon as we get towards the box or high high turnovers like we mentioned. And uh, obviously that was something we mentioned on our um, preview pod, me and you, um, especially because they've only got a Dauphin really who's particularly comfortable looking on the ball. Uh, Morrison and a few others didn't look that great and and that was really showing in this game but also i think uh something else we mentioned was um that they could sometimes sort of pull out a little bit in terms of the line and and how high they were and there were a couple of moments we got in via uh clipping a ball over the top so big shout out to archie gray uh for one that he played for ruter uh but there were also one or two others as well weren't there where we managed to clip it over them so I think there was just so many different ways we could hurt Rotherham and we did. Um, and although we won 3-0, I think our XG was around 3. Um, don't know if you got it to hand, Martin. I looked on on one app before and it said about 2.84, I think it was. So to only score 3 actually is a little bit disappointing because I think if you put up that much, you might want to score probably a little bit more than that actually. Yeah, it was 2.7 per FBRF and obviously a big chunk, a big chunk of that was a penalty. So uh, the non-penalty XG is probably close to about one point. Eight, I think. So it's not maybe as big as what it looked, um, but still, it is quite a lot of XG, and we could easily have scored more than what we did. There were a n- number of chances where we just didn't quite get the right connection on the ball. And there's also other moments where the ball to set someone up just wasn't quite right. Like quite early in the game, I think it was about two or three minutes in, into it, Monster put in a cross which was just slightly too far for Somerville to get to, and that was within two, two minutes of the game being in. And so that really set a standard for what the game was going to be like. We were able to get him behind Rotherham's line quite easily, whether it was through ball carrying from our attacking line or if it was these balls over the top from Ampadu or Grey, like you mentioned earlier. So yeah, the, Rotherham definitely made our, our life easy. Yep, certainly. And while we're talking about Rotherham, I'll come to you again and just ask a little bit more about what, what did you see as their game plan? Because we were able to limit them to 0.3 XG in the end. Um, so how did you view it? They were probably one of the worst teams we've seen come to Ellen Road, if not the worst this season, to be fair. Yeah, they were quite bad uh, what they were trying to do. The, it's a pretty simplistic game plan which they had, which was to try to hit us in transition and to get these opportunities to attack us. And they did have some set pieces. Uh, they had a corner within the first minute of the game, 
So that's not clearly what their plan was, was to try to get a bunch of set pieces and get one of their big lads to knock it in, um, which is a respectable strategy for the EFR, you've got to say. Um, but it didn't work um, because we were good at defending our box in those moments of set pieces. Uh, Joe Roden was imperious. Um, Amadou was imperious. It was a very good defensive display for all of them. And even the attacking lineup had a very good defensive display as well. Both Rotaire and Nonto put in a really good defensive performance. Um, they, I think they, those two themselves had the most tackles, like the joint most tackles on the pitch. And that just shows you that they're the same amount of like Amadou. So we were definitely putting in a good, a good strong performance to help out the clan as well. So it wasn't just the defenders who were doing well. It was also the forward players who were coming back and giving good support. And some of this work was even quite late on. No, it's in like the 60th to 80th minute, Nonto tackled at least three players coming back and deep. And when the, the, he was sort of catching them unawares, it was, it was really clever. I'm not sure if I, you, you both noticed it. But when the winger was fronting up, like whether it was Archie or Broden on the, on the left side, he he would sort of just nip in and just seal it off them and then run forward the ball. It was great. Really, really good little offensive recovery there from him a few times, which was great, especially so late in the game. He's, he's really inconfident from one, but we'll talk more on Nonto later. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Will, do you have anything to add on Rotherham's game plan from your perspective, other than it was rubbish? Well, yeah, you could see quite often even they'd put a few passes through the centre-backs and then Longbourn up to... Long ball up to Hugo, um, but the quality mismatch, as mentioned earlier, um, him trying to play against Ampadu and Rodon, and quite often Gruev coming into cover as well, just didn't really have a chance. Um, and then from there, I'm not sure where they can build from if the target man can't make it stick. So beyond that, um, they were a bit lost, I thought. Yeah, hard to disagree. Um, also, if uh, anyone was actually going to try and score one of those set pieces, it wasn't going to be Sean Morrison because he's clearly a massive Leeds fan. Um, anyway, <laughs> we shall move on. Um, we also had a question from our very own Tom Hostie Kundel, who asked, we saw some earlier subs from us being 3-0 up and looked comfortable. How do you think that worked? I'll start with you, Will. Um, I was happy to see them, is the first thing I'll say, because uh, I know in the Discord we've mentioned for forever, basically, about... Um, Farker and his love of making subs in about the 89th minute that just seemed pointless. Um, yeah, they were sensible. I think a lot of it was because they, they were most, they were 2 0 and then subs, right? So it's against the team as poor as Rotherham. I think it was just right. You know, we played three games in eight days. I think try and rotate a bit. Um, get Summerfield off because it was mentioned in the press conference that he'd had muscle injuries. Was it or something he was trying to manage? Um, they were sort of fine. I, I don't think made a huge difference either way, but that's a lot to do with the game state, I think. Martin, do you have anything to add before I move on to what Will's just been referring to there? Yeah, well, I thought the subs were well-timed, and especially they happened literally immediately after the penalty was taken, and that was when some of it was taken off, it was like minutes after he scored that penalty. So he'd say that he wanted to give some of all that rest and... I think it was he'd had a heavy match load. I don't think he mentioned anything specific with regards to any injuries, but it's just that he'd had a heavy match load and he wanted to protect him, and that's why he said he didn't give him too many minutes in the club, which we didn't want to see him say have any. But he he won off that game, so we'll kind of let that slide. Um, but Clarker also did, did sort of make a rod for his own back because he talked quite a lot in the press conference before this game about how 
stacked up the fixture list is and about the um governing bodies need to do more to protect players and a lot of other things like this so i think he kind of had to rotate because of all what he said in there but at the same time if it was which was in a level game state at that point in the game i don't think he would have made those subs um i don't think he would have had that on his mind it would have been the result of first fall which you can we can you can understand because that is the most important thing in the, the day is the result but this was good that he did make those sensible choices to tech players who would have had a lot of minutes that's maybe would have liked to have seen Ruter included in that because he was he played full 90 and so really see why he didn't need to be, be on the pitch at that point um i believe anthony was on the bench that, that would have been a sub we, we could have made uh, so i think that was the only thing i would have added to what he did yeah um i agree and i think uh it, it would have been nice to have seen this more throughout the season, but I get why at 3-0, Farker's obviously going to, uh, against a team like Rotherham, think, yep, that's done. Uh, <laughs> we can probably take a few guys off. I agree about Rutera as well, and he does seem to really exert himself late in games still, even when he's been running around a hell of a lot. And I, I have seen a few tweets, not recently, but in the past about his sort of effort levels, and I don't really agree at all. I think he's one of our hardest working players and certainly was in this game. And yeah, he seemed to just like fly into people, um, like not in terms of tackling, but like he'll just run at them and, and be sprinting at full pace in the 88th minute when we were already 3-0 up. And it's like, you don't really need to do that at this point, but I understand, especially when it's in their half as well. But here we are. Uh, but yeah, I would I would say that it, it's probably the most impressed I've been with Farkas substitutes myself. Um throughout the season to be honest he, he made the right ones at pretty much the right times and um i maybe would have liked to see roberts come on a little earlier for example but that's about it like i can't be too picky and and yeah it was just good like some will obviously a key player bringing him off it just makes a lot of sense doesn't it um Whilst we're on the topic of substitutes, uh, our lovely editor, Old Paul, also asked about our loss of control late on um, and whether it was a pattern when Kamara had gone off, because it's happened in other games as well. Um, is the reason that we ended the game somewhat sloppily down to that? Because Rotherham's only two shots on target came actually from the 88th minute onwards. Um, so before that, they haven't really had anything to really shout about. Um, but I'll come to you first, Martin. Obviously, Will mentioned the game state. Do you think that that's more to do with it or is it actually the changes that Farker made? It's a combination of the game state and the changes which, which Rotherham made, um, that they went to more of a back four system um, when they made their subs. Uh, so that that was one of the reasons why they were putting more players in, a, in an hour half and just trying to press us more to win the ball in high areas. And it did lead to us almost scoring a couple of times because there was so much space behind them obviously but it's what you do when the game state is as it was you push forward to try to at least minimize it a bit but it could easily have led to us scoring more plus it also did lead to them having some chances themselves so you can understand why it was done so i think overriding it was the game state which forced it because the game state forced them to make the subs which they made which was to go more attacking and the, the, those subs led to us having less control because they were putting on more pressure in the advanced areas. And I think we were also sitting off a little bit at that point just to maybe attach them in transition as well. So, yeah, it's a combination of a couple of things, but mainly game state. Yeah, I agree. I think we probably stood off a little bit just because we also knew we were trying to see the game out and manage it a little bit. But, um, Will, what about you? Do you think that Kamara's coming off had a big impact? Or do you think, again, it was more to do with the, the Rotherham side of this and the game state? Um, I'd largely echo what you two have said, but then 
the only thing to add is I don't think it's just Kamara between Kamara and Gruev. Um, they're both, you know, connecting passes, dictating. So to take both of them off, maybe if, if Gruev had still been on and you take Kamara off, I'm not sure there's such a noticeable difference, maybe. Yeah, it does feel like they're really retaining the ball well in that that sort of area at the moment, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's everything for this this section. Um, so just before we move on, I must discuss Patreon, um, because I got an angry letter actually in the mail earlier. Um, it didn't actually have like a name attached to it. It just said, I'm watching you. Um, and I know it's from Tom Alderson. I'm sure it is, because I've seen his shitty handwriting before. Uh, but yeah, don't worry, patrons. You don't have to listen to this part. Um it's just uh, Tom Olsen would kill me if I didn't. So, um, yeah, uh, our patrons get access for as little as one ninety nine per month, which gives you ad-free podcasts. And if you want to pay a little more, you also get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, analysis articles, videos, and bonus podcasts as well. We're also currently working on a few other things that will come out in the near future. Martin has recently put out something on Connor Roberts, uh, which was put out last week, wasn't it, Martin? Yes, uh, early last week. Uh, yeah, so that was a fun article to read, which I, th- I think most patrons at least will have read it by now. Um, but if you want, and we've already seen Robert's play now a little bit, but we're still waiting to see a bit more from him. So the article really does give a good roundup as to what his strengths are and what his weaknesses are. It's worth worth a read if you haven't already. And how he might be utilised as well, which uh, we might come to see in the coming games. But if you do want to find out more about our patron, please do visit Will. That would be patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, it does really help us out, especially with the previews because we can get opposition fans on and stuff like that. So please do go ahead on over and check it out if you do enjoy our content. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now let's get back to the analysis and talk about players a little bit more. Um, So we've debated quite a lot on this podcast, and so has basically all social media, whether Pascal Strauch should come back into the side. Uh, But not much has actually been said about Dan James, just something that Hobbsy, I think, pointed out in our admins chat, and whether he comes back in immediately, considering how good Nanto has been recently. Uh, What are your thoughts immediately on that, Will? Um, I I sort of was in two minds, because Farker clearly has his favourites, um, of which James was one. Uh, I think he has favourites anyway. But then with, with Nonto playing so well, I think or would hope the most sensible idea um, would be to use them more situationally. So against a team that we expect to sit back, there's not going to be much space. You kind of lose 
the big strength that James has in transition um, and someone like Nonto would be more beneficial. Whereas against teams that are going to look to be more expansive and try and play against us, maybe that's where you bring James in for those. Um, and the other thing is it's nice to have the option because if one isn't working, just bring the other one off the bench. Hard to disagree with that, Martin, especially now that Nonto's confidence is seemingly up. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's going to be a bit of a headache for Fax as to who comes in and when James is fit because James has been in phenomenal form this season and no way I've put him down to have had the amount of goals and assists that he's had by now at the point of the season. He's having the best individual performance of his career and he's like, understandable if James does come back in, it'd be deserved. Um, but Nonso is in very good form recently. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that one. I wouldn't be forced either way who plays because both of them offer something different and something unique. So I'd, I'd be more than happy if, uh, if James came back in and maybe they rotated a little bit so we just use players a bit more. So yeah, either way is good for me. I think I agree. Um, I think Strauch's more nailed on if he's 100% out of the two sort of I guess, favourites, if we want to call it that, of Farkas players that he's had this season that he's utilised the most. Um, and I'm more confident that he'll come in, actually, even though our fan base seems to be probably the opposite in in most parts of it. Um, but yeah, Nonto has definitely played himself back into form a little bit. And again, I, I have said this before, but I think some players are so much better at starting games and getting a little bit of a run together. And others are built to be impact subs. And I don't think Nonto is one of those particularly, um, especially because we've now seen better performances from him. And I don't know about you two, but let's talk a little bit more about Nonto's role in the team because I, I thought it was personally his best display this season, even if he didn't score. Um, he's not quite being used on the right in the same way as Dan James, though. And yeah, as, as Will mentioned, it might be more of a situational thing, but he did have more freedom to invert and find pockets more centrally, didn't he, Martin? I, I disagree. I think it was being used very similarly. It's just... Both players have got different strengths and do things more often than the you know, sort of like Nonto is more confident with dribbling with the ball in tight areas, so it means that he's more prone to dribbling with the ball. Uh, he's, I think, he attempted five take ons in, in this game, which was quite a lot. He only he was only successful in one of those, um, but take ons are a really weird metric to when they're successful or not. Yeah, besides the point. I, I think that I think the heat map which I put in the thing, you can see quite clearly both of them are operating in similar areas, and both players as well also had a lot of touched over on the other far side, which I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have thought would be the case with Dan James especially. But I think you still see a lot of the wider wider stuff which James does, Monto doing as well. Like for when when the penalty shout happens, that was him driving in from wide in into the box. So. It, they are still doing the similar sort of things. It's just Nonto does things a bit differently to what James does. So it kind of maybe looks like it's being used in a different way. I still think they're being asked to do do the same sort of thing. Just Nonto better at something, which, that, which James isn't. Does that make sense? It does. I, I personally saw it as that he was getting into that that half-right space a little bit more often um, than James perhaps does. Um, I'm not saying that Nonto didn't go on the outside and put crosses in because he did, and you mentioned the one in the first half. For example, but there was just a few moments that that stuck out in my mind, especially with the pass for the penalty that he played into the box. Um, that one really stuck out as a, a more a central attacking sort of player um, and the sort of skill set that he has. And I know there was quite a bit of talk that I saw anyway on on Twitter about. I think Ethan and a few others were saying that he he looks like a player that could play in other positions, perhaps more centrally. Uh, Will I'm going to throw a small curveball at you here? Don't worry, don't panic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, would you like to see Nanto used more centrally occasionally, perhaps as well? 
Um, yeah, well, I, I was, you stole all of my words really with saying Ethan's mentioned it because I'd made that on my notes to say, give, give, give him a little bit of credit. Um, I, I think it, it could work and maybe James or Nonto, why not James and Nonto, um, depending on injuries or if Somerville's, you know, if we have a few games in a row, Somerville needs a rest. There's, there's room to sort of mix things about and maybe Nonto goes in the middle and Ruta pulls wide or Nonto on the left. I think in the 10 could work because my take on the right wing between him and James playing the same position different ways is Nonto looks for combinations a lot more than James does. So I don't see why that wouldn't work if he started um, from in the field in the 10 and was given a bit of license to roam in the way that we've seen Ruta do at times. Yeah, I remember when we were in the Premier League, actually, Udav, um, much beloved Udav, uh, used to speak about the fact that Nonto, he thought, could play centrally a little bit more. We haven't really seen too much um, him used as more of an actual central attacking player, at least in the, uh, the way he starts rather than like he comes into that position uh, from a wide area. It's more he starts in a central position and see what he can do. So maybe it's something to, to have a, a look at at some point, but... Maybe not now at the moment. But yeah, I, I just personally felt like he was probably taking up more central spaces, Martin, from when I watched the game and when I watched back. But that might, again, just be to do with skill set and just how he sort of looks to combine in, inside, like Will's mentioned. Um, but yes, anyway, another one from Hosty, who's now featured twice despite not being here. But he asked, how do you think the players we haven't seen much of in the championship um, this season so far did uh, so Joseph and Cresswell uh, Will I'll start with you how did you like see Joseph's performance um, I really like him just in general um, was happy to see him start against Plymouth was happy to see him get um, at least a decent chunk against Rotherham um, I think he's done alright so far and will only improve with more minutes so I'd be keen to whenever we can if we go two goals up against a team in the bottom half or It'd be nice to just see, you know, Joseph is fine for now, but given his age, play him when you can and the only way is up, I would hope. Yeah, and Martin, what about Cresswell for you? So I thought it was showed that he's inexperienced in this game. Um, he gave away a few fouls right late on, which led to opportunities for Rodham to set piece, which is what their main game plan was. And it was with the quite experienced striker, Eves, who him on and he really did the hold ailing trick and just go down the slightest bit of contact from Cresswell so you can kind of understand it in a way but it was still a little bit sloppy in the cat because he gave away two fouls in the time he was on the pitch and like Ampadu gave two fouls away in the whole game which he played so it's a bit of a mismatch there but on the ball he did fine there was no issues with what I saw from him on the ball it was mainly his off the ball and being that little bit too aggressive. Which I guess he's quite eager to impress, so that would be understandable to why he's making those sort of decisions. And just to quickly touch on Joseph, I, I don't think he was really involved too much in the game at the point he came on, but he was his out of possession work was very good. He was doing good at closing down Rotherham's players and um, forcing rush passes, which led to turnovers. So it wasn't him who was receiving the ball, but his pressure was forcing Rotherham's players to be a bit under pressure and misplacing their passes in, in, in return. So it did, did well in that, in that aspect, I felt. Yeah, he was a bit quieter than the Plymouth game, but again, he just did fine, didn't he? And I guess fine is absolutely what he needs to be at the moment. That's all we need him to, to be, to help Bamford's workload a little bit as well. Uh, so I was okay with that. And it's hard to disagree about Cresswell, and I think, yeah, he's just... I, I don't like how his development's been 
development's been handled at all, really, but he just looks a lot more aggressive than some of our other defenders, in my opinion. And I think he probably does suit playing for a team or probably further down the table and he can be a little bit more aggressive if they're sat in a deeper block than a team like us. Um, I, th- I think he makes too many errors around the box. He gave away two free kicks late on, didn't he? And they got at least one of those. There was a, a chance made from it. So he's a little bit of a weird one, but I, I think next season it's probably going to be best to loan him. But uh, in fairness to him, it's his first minute since I think October of any kind, which I know sounds crazy, but he genuinely just hasn't been involved. So a little, cut him a little bit of a slack that he was just, you know, put on for, for a little bit and it, it, he might have been feeling a bit more nervous than he usually would. Let's put it that way. Um, and while we're on the subject of, of a few players, there's obviously been a lot said about the rest, uh, the need to rest some players like Gray, for example. And, um, that's partly because of how many games he's played. And, but it was well. Uh, who's a little bit older, but has obviously played nearly every single game for us. But, but not too many players are being talked about um, as much as they should be. And one of those is, is Jorginho Rutera, as you referred to earlier, Martin. Um, he's quietly played the second most minutes of any outfield player, according to my notes, which I think you wrote down. Uh, do you think gorgeous Georgie will be rotated at some point? And do you think that he should be? I'm guessing you're going to say yes. Um, well, no. <laughs> Which is what we described because he is our most important player, in my opinion. Um, driving forward so so much, even if it is some Villa who's getting the contributions, um, both insists out everything, and you, you you need to get to the final third to start with, and that's where George has been shining recently. And both him and, and Nonto, especially, we were very good in this game, pressing ball. Um, but yeah. I would, I would, maybe I'd like to see him taken off earlier in games. That's what I meant. Than, yeah, when I said rather, rotated, I yeah, that. <laughs> rather rather than being rested totally, and I just take him off a little bit earlier. Uh, give Joseph a bit of a more minutes, or give Perot more minutes. Just I can understand because he is that most important player. That sometimes you have to keep him on the pitch because he's so he, he produces so many individual moments of brilliance that it can be hard to take him off even when we're winning but yeah this has to be the case sometimes because if he, if he was to get injured we would struggle and there's no one no one else in the team who can replicate what he does his combination of movement and physicality there's no one else who has it uh Somerville can carry the ball well but sometimes he just get knocked off the ball because he doesn't have the physicality that Rutez got and it's a very unique combination of skills which he's got and there's not many players in in England never mind just in championship who has that sort of combination of physicality and technique that he has so yeah I would like to see him rested a little bit, just not full rest from games entirely, unless we play multiple games in a week, possibly. Even then, we're not. <laughs> yeah, I probably chose my language slightly wrong. I, I meant more, would you like to see him rested or, or brought off a little bit earlier? Um, I think that he probably needs it occasionally. I, I guess, Will, the question with Ruter is, as Martin's kind of alluded to then at the end of his answer, um, who is the... the obvious alternative we could play Perot there perhaps obviously we've just mentioned about the fact that Nonto might be able to play centrally but like who who are the best options I guess outside of those two well uh, I'm not particularly sure there is one um, because they're just not Ruta's level which is not a discredit to any of our players they're good players they're just not him um, maybe you could reconfigure the midfield a bit and when Roberts is up to scratch and fully fit and Starting games, hopefully, you can play Archie Gray as a sort of extra body breaking from midfield. That might work in some games, but I'm not sure there is a super duper obvious he can replace Ruta because, as Martin said, he's just so unique in terms of 
what he provides. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I think he's basically what we're all trying to say is don't get injured, Georgie, please. Because <laughs> our promotion hopes probably hinge on him quite heavily. There are a few others as well, obviously, but he's, he's one of the big ones, especially with um, the way the midfield's been used at the moment and the, and the players that have come in and impressed. I think we're really well stocked there. If Ampadu or Gruev or, one, or you know, one of the midfielders got injured, we'd probably be fine. Um, whereas if Rousseau gets injured, it is difficult. Um, yeah, we might have to play three-man midfield. We might have to play someone else like Nonzo or Perot there, but I don't think Perot and Bamford is the, is the most optimal sort of pairing. I don't think that works particularly well. Um, speaking of uh, players that came on and contributed, obviously, Connor Roberts got a few minutes, not too many. Uh, he came on in the 75th minute. Was there anything notable either of you noticed to mention about his game um, against Rotherham? Uh, I'll start with you, Will. Um, no, not really. Um, just because, you know, it was the end of a game that was already a foregone conclusion, uh, in my opinion. There was that big tackle he did that all the crowd loved, which was a foul. I, I'm going to say this is a tackle because if somebody did that to Ruta, I'd want them sent off and sentenced to life in prison. So, um, you know, as much as it looks good and it, it brings a cheer, it was a foul. And apart from that, I can't remember. Even on the rewatch, he was you know, fullback who did his job rather than anything noticeably good or bad, in my opinion. Martin, did you notice anything or do we need to see a little bit more of him? Uh, yeah, there wasn't really too much time for him to make an impact in the game. He did he did make a couple of nice passes, uh, one, one in particular, um, Astrid Lines, which he made, which was quite nice, um, about 10 minutes after he came on. Um, and that big tackle, of course, which I agree with Will, it was a foul. It's, it's, it's still a challenge and we know how dangerous those are, so they have to be given as fouls every day of the week even if it did like Phil mentioned the crowd went yeah yes one of the stars they're going to love they're going to love that (laughs) because they love it and yeah to be fair I I love a good people who don't (laughs) but yeah it was felt Um, but yeah he he did did quite well in the time that he was on but it was already a a one match so all he had to do was do his job and he did did it well he wasn't dribble past from what I recall uh, he stood up the players well who were trying to attack the box. So yeah, he did, he did fine, but couldn't really make a proper judgment on him when he's played from the start of the game, which I'm hoping it does come sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah, speaking of, do you think he'll start against Swansea? Potentially. Maybe a little bit too soon because he's not had many training sessions. Uh, I think Flack mentioned in his press conference that he don't, by the time he was speaking on, was it Thursday or was it Friday? I think it was Friday. He'd only had... He's only had one training session and was having his second training session on Friday. So he'll probably only have had maybe three training sessions by Tuesday, at least with the full squad. He's had like some individual training sessions and he's been given forms, data, and what sort of things he's meant to be doing in the side. But he hasn't had full training session with the squad to understand everyone properly. But considering his chemistry that he already has with the other Welsh players in the side, he's played with a number of them before. It's possible that we that we see him, especially against his old old club. Um, so there's always some blood there, and as was in my article, uh, he did shush one of his father employees when he scored past them. He scored past Middlesbrough and uh, did the shush, but I don't think we played too much for them, so I don't think he'll do the same Swansea. Um, that will be quite much. <laughs> yeah, I think he came through their academy, didn't he? So he's, he's probably a bit more, and a lot more games. Yeah, I don't think he's going to shush them. Uh, if he does somehow manage to come on and score, uh, I think he probably 
come on as well again, but maybe more minutes this time than than 15. I do think it's important to say that in the last 10 or 15 minutes, we did seem to have, in most areas of the game, have taken our foot off the gas a little bit, <laughs> quite a bit actually. It did feel like we were sort of seeing it out um, as much as possible. So it's kind of difficult circumstances for any substitutes to come on and make a huge meaningful impact. Um, so yeah, not too much to add there. And then, yeah, just just one last thing, I guess, on on players is Somerville had a, a bit of a funny game, I thought. He uh, obviously missed the target in the first half of that chance, which I actually thought might have been his easiest open play one, which was quite funny that he just blazed it over the bar. We, we mentioned it with the Furpo cutback from the high regain. Um, but yeah, he's now still scored two and, and lots of people are, are very happy with his performance still because of that as well. Um, but yeah, he's well on course to get the most goal contributions of a non-striker in a championship for Leeds, which is a, a crazy stat. But the most I could find was that Robert Snodgrass got 28 uh, one season. He got 15 goals and 13 assists. And then Pablo Hernandez, the beautiful, wonderful Pablo Hernandez, got 12 goals and 12 assists as his best season. And Snodgrass already on 15 and 8. So Will Clay... What do you think he's going to end on in terms of goal contributions, considering it's mid-February and he's still got another 15 games plus the cup games? Well, um, I was thinking about this and I'd be disappointed if he doesn't get to 30, which is a huge amount. But given where we are now, seven between now and the end of the season is very doable. And then I did a little bit of maths and he's played he's played 28 uh, championship games this season because um, he's missed three. So if he plays the rest of them and continues at the same rate, that would be 35.32 contributions. So 35, I'll say, uh, as optimistic, but definitely 30. He's back on his maths. I, I like that. Bringing the stats <laughs> to all stats, aren't we already? It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Martin, what, what are you saying? What ballpark are you, you looking at? Yeah, I'd say it's somewhere between 30 and 35. It is definitely attainable. Um, at the rate that he's currently going. I'd say he has been on a little bit of a dry spell um, before this, in, at least in scoring in, in the league. Obviously, he's, he's scored in the cup, but in the league, he had been sort of regressing to the mean, so we say, because he was overperforming his XG in, uh, in, in the league. So that regression has happened a little bit, so he could well go on another spree now, because he's scored in the cup, and now he's, now he's scored twice in this game. Um, and my word, the absolute ponies on him. The cojones to attempt a Penenka after he missed his last penalty in the league. Oh my God. Ooh. How did he think to have the wherewithal to do that? Oh my in, God. Like, I think the reason might be because we were 2-0 up to what is the worst team in the league. And he might have thought that as well. I was like, ah, if I miss it, probably be fine still. But if I score, I'll look really cool. And he did. He looked really cool. I think someone's, I think it was Jody Cooper. It might not have been. Uh, so I'm sorry if I've got that wrong. But he said it's the first time we've scored a penalty like that at Penenka since Luciano Becchio against Barnsley in 2012. Will Clay, can you remember that? Uh... That's well, no. I can remember. I can remember 2012. I don't remember the game. I, I would have been what? <laughs> When was it in 2012, you said? 2012, yeah. Um, nine years old. So, goodness, yeah, pr- probably not. Well, you've really brought the average age of this pot down, haven't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the last one, I think. So that is that is some stat. Um, we probably should try that more. I think you're going to have more success with it. Uh, and I think Farker was like a little bit annoyed that he'd done it <laughs> after the game with his comments, but he scored it, so who cares? Um, yeah, is that everything? Does anyone else want to say anything? about how beautiful Crescentia Somerville is. Go on. 
I just wanted to add a quick thing, but not about Somerville, just um, about Melier because he pulled off he pulled off two pretty big saves late on in the game, and that was all he had, he'd had to do the whole game. Those were the only two times when he'd been tested, and it came really late in the game. So he held his con- concentration well and made two pretty good saves. And one of those saves was the bus shot XG was in, enlarged quite a lot. Uh, the I think who was it who had it? I believe it was Adolfin. His XG chance was it was 0.03, and the plus shot XG put it to 0.24, which means he upgraded that chance quite a bit and got it into the corner of the goal. And that was a very, very good, a good, good shot basically. And Melia saved it, and that was a big moment in the game. And I don't think it would have made too much difference if it had have gone in, but it would have been one less clean sheet. And clean sheets are very big at the moment for Leeds fans, especially. So he's earned his clean sheet in the, in this game. We now have the most in the championship because West Brom conceded two to Ipswich. So we are nice league leaders for that stat in particular now, the outright league leaders, which is pretty cool. Uh, we've also got the second best, not not on about the underlying numbers now, the actual overlying numbers, I guess. Uh, we're only two goals off Leicester, who are just ahead of us. Um, but yeah, one last question for you, Will. Um, how much do you love Patrick Bamford? Oh, um, he's just my baby. He's my, yeah, top three Leeds players of ever for me um he's so good it's i was beginning to lose hope but his redemption arc has been probably among well it's amongst my favorite things this season um because it's just so nice to see um he's a lovely bloke he's got us to promotion once let's hope he can do it again don't think rotherham fans think he's a lovely bloke let's put it that way but we all love him so much and we do not care if he handled it whatsoever and that's all i'll be commenting (laughs) on for that particular matter Martin? Yeah, I agree. Um, we've had similar goals given against us. The Naki Wells one comes to mind. Um, mm. so, West yeah. Brom this season as well. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, ha- it happens in this league. That's one of the things why VAR was brought in in the first place, was these kind of goals. So if you're not going to have VAR in the league, then sometimes these things will happen for and against you. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. And Robin will have to just deal with it. It's not like they did anything to be able to score at least one goal. <laughs> we we had three and we had two others besides that one. So, yeah. Yeah, the reference was pretty cool. Pa- you got quite a few things wrong. Yeah. I love Pat. Bamford he was. As well. but yeah, um, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, just a quick reminder that our website for our patron is Martin. Patreon.com forward slash A-S-A-W Patreon. But now that's everything for tonight and Will's debut. We've already released the Swansea preview for our patrons and it'll be coming for everyone else along with this pod very soon. Um, and following that, we'll be back to review the Swansea game and preview the game against Plymouth as well. The game's thick and fast at the moment. Uh, I'm also pleased to announce that we have decided we're going to preview the Chelsea game. Um, so you can... Look forward to that one, everyone, as well. But for now, all that's left for me to say is thank you to Martin. Thank you as well, Adam. Thank you, Will. Congratulations and well done. Thank you, Adam. It's been good to be here. And thank you to our dear listeners. Have a great week. Enjoy the Swansea game, the Plymouth game, and goodbye.
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.